0: You are listening to Church of the Oaks podcast, where we exist to send disciple makers of Jesus by being disciple makers of Jesus. For more information about our church, such as service times, upcoming events, or how to join a group, please visit us at churchoftheoaks.com. I love getting to sit back and just and hear the story of, of God doing what he does um, through the truth of the gospel, the truth of the word, and then, and like brought through a community of people. Like it's not an intellectual thing. Like it is an intellectual thing, but it's not that in isolation. It's when the people of God do what they're called to do, the world is changed through that. Um, and it's just such a joy to get to be a part of, of, of you and getting to see that happen around here. Um, All right. So jumping into our passage this morning, uh, think about this. When you went to kindergarten, you didn't know what you were doing. You just showed up. Um, Maybe you went to preschool or something, but that's fake. That doesn't count. And then you, so you went to kindergarten and like a lot of like the first several weeks, probably they just taught you the rules, you know, how to stand in a line. Remember somebody had to teach you how to stand in a line. It's crazy. Some of you still can't do it right. You know, like you, you never figured it out. Like, but you, you tried to start learning the rules and there were rules to kindergarten. And so you started doing it. You started to figure it out. Like if I followed the rules, I was good that day. Yeah. And if I didn't follow the rules for well, that day, I was bad. It was just kind of black and white like that follow the rules you were good if you don't follow the rules you were bad and that's really kind of all it took if you kind of did what you were supposed to do what he told you to do then she was happy with you and if you didn't then she was uh, pretty hot mad because this was like their 10th year doing this and it kind of got old you know what i'm saying like rules are good break them you're bad then you got a little bit bigger you learned some more rules a little bit older you tried to follow them and you the same principle. Like if you follow those rules, uh, you were good. And if you didn't, it's, you were bad. You learned the school, the, the rules of your school. You learned, uh, the rules of, um, r- social like relationships, the rules of that you, you learned the rules of morality. Those of you who are like out of college and we like have jobs and stuff. We had to learn the rules of business. And to learn the rules of parenting and marriage. Many of us along the way have tried to learn the rules of religion, what you're supposed to do and not supposed to do and whatever. And we kind of kept the same parameter. Like, if we kept the rules in all these different areas, if we did all the right things and didn't do the wrong things, then we were good. We could be proud of our goodness. You can go home at the end of the day, lay your head on the pillow, and, like, I did a good job today. I nailed those rules. Now, now in our day, it's kind of interesting. You have to pick who's actually a like definition of good and whose rules you're going to follow. But like, still, like whatever one you pick, if you do them, you're good. And when you fail at them, you're bad, and there's shame, and there's all this mess that washes over you because you didn't, you didn't make it. And somehow it, got, it gets buried in like all of our minds that that's how the world works. People, like whoever it is, people in authority, people in our, like our friends, like they're like, like people are just happy with us. If we do these right things and we don't do those wrong things and everything's going to wash out in the end, we also apply that to God. Like if there there is a God and there is an eternity, then it probably works the exact same way. Like if we do enough good things and we don't do all these bad things, then um, at the end of the day, like God's happy with us. And so we get to go be with him in a place called heaven. We haven't really thought that much about, but I'm sure it's great. And if you do enough bad things, you don't, you have to go to hell. And that's our worldview. And it kind of works. It's very like easy. It doesn't require a lot of thought out of you. Uh, you can measure yourself off of it. You can measure other people off of it. The only problem comes is when you encounter Jesus, uh, who actually did all the things right, and comes in with this entirely different system, like an incompatible system, not like modifying that one, but like it's this in, in, entirely separate thing. The problem with, with, with this rule thing is that at the end of the day, if all of us were just to get real honest with ourselves, none of us are like all that good, and there's this sneaking suspicion that we're not gonna measure up. And then in crashes Jesus, all right? Now that, that whole concept of us doing the right things and following all the rules and getting all of this stuff done, that, that's, called, that's called legalism. That's like the word for that. It's, it's legalism. If I follow the laws, if I follow the rules, then I am good. I have value. I can be proud of that. And if I don't, and I lack value. If the people I'm observing, the people in my, like my world, like if, if they're not following my rules, then they are less than me because their value is attached to their behaviors. That's legalism. And then we encounter Jesus and you start reading his words. And you start, start trying to understand what he's calling his followers to. Especially if you're new to Christianity, you start reading the words of Jesus and like everything he's saying doesn't match up with all of that. And it's really hard to reconcile. It's really hard to figure, like, okay, if, if Jesus is talking about these things, and he doesn't seem to be talking about this, you know, checkbox system of legalism, how do you, how do you reconcile these two things? It's hard to wrap your mind around. In our passage this morning, we find Jesus uh, arriving at a dinner party um, and making a huge mess out of it. It's great. Jesus shows up at his dinner party. He gets invited by some of the best rule keepers there ever were, his Pharisees and the lawyers. They followed the rules. They didn't just follow the rules. They made new rules and then followed those, and then looked down on you for not following the rules that they made up. They're awesome at this. And before we judge them too harshly, there's a really good chance that most, most if not all of us in the room, uh, have more in common with the Pharisees than we would like to admit. Even if it's not our entire worldview, there's, there's some pieces of this legalism, this Phariseeism that, that sneaks up on us. Some of us, like you're, we're still in that, that system of legalism. You're still grinding away at, at, at following enough rules and doing enough things that the people around you and this God like, are all happy with you and it's exhausting. You're still fully in that system. Others of us, we've trusted Christ, but we still have traces of it. There's echoes of that in the way that we relate to other people, the way we relate to the Lord sometimes. Even when we don't mean to, it still has this way of sneaking up in our thinking and our attitudes. Some of us like, can just think about this this morning, that we can feel and see maybe some areas where legalism's creeping back in. As we read this story about Jesus being in this dinner party, I want you to hear what he says about these type of things, these behaviors, and what it does to us and what we should do about them. My my prayer is that you'd look for ways that legalism is at work in you. Some of you it has has a full grip of. Some of you it's sneaking back. My prayer is you'd see the way that legalism is at work in you and then hear what Jesus has to say about it. All right? So remember in Luke chapter 11, Uh, beginning in verse 37. you got a copy of God's word. Uh, I'd love for you to go there. Um, Just by way of reminder, I use ESV on Sunday mornings over here. So if you've got some other version, then I know that's kind of a mess sometimes, but uh, ESV is what I'm using. Um, So Luke 11, beginning in verse 37, it says, Now while Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him, invited him over. So he Went in and reclined at the table. So the Pharisee says, Jesus wants you to come over for dinner. And he's like, All right, I can do that. So Jesus just comes in and reclines the table. Now there's some social etiquette here. You don't not you're not Jewish or like you're not like you know in first century Jew, so you don't pick up on all this stuff. There's some social etiquette involved. So when you go over to somebody else's house, you kind of you follow their protocols, right? You kind of listen like observe how they're doing their things and you just kind of do what they do. If they take their shoes off in their house, you take your shoes off. You wore the socks with the holes in the toes, but you don't have an option, right? Has that ever happened to you? Happens to me every time I go to my buddy's house. my shoes I got to remember to wear the, wear the socks with no holes in them, you know? So you got to do it. You take your shoes off. You go in, you do because that's what they do. You abide by the, the protocol there. If, if they eat in the dining room, you don't take your plate to the couch. It'd be weird. You know, everybody else is sitting, you know, got the nice dinner. Like, you know what? I really like to watch the game while I eat. So I'm just going over here. You do you. All right. I'm, you don't do that. You follow the, the the things. Like you, you have this kind of unspoken agreement that when somebody invites you over, you're going to be respectful. You're going to honor your host, and your host is going to honor you. Jesus did not feel like it. Not a bit. He just walks in and goes and sits down. Now the problem with that is is that there's this whole like ceremonial like uh, washing of the hands that's supposed to happen. Jesus just skipped it. Verse 38 says, the Pharisee was astonished. He's astonished to see that he did not first wash before dinner. Now, Jesus is, Jesus is picking a fight. He just this. Jesus shows up to the dinner party. The Pharisee asks him to come over and he very much intentionally skips this kind of ceremonial, you know, rule. Just doesn't do it. Breaks the rule on purpose and goes and sits down. And he picks a rule hand-washing thing, he picks a rule that's supposed to demonstrate ceremonial purity or holiness, righteousness before God. That's what this is about. It's not about physically cleaning your hands. That's not what they're doing. They're saying, I am clean before God. I am holy. I'm able to come into a space of worship alongside these other people. All of us here are are clean. We are all righteous. We're all good people. And Jesus is like, no. Goes and plops down and just waits for the gasps, waits for the eyebrows to raise. This is a point of legalism. And so Jesus intentionally breaks the rule to, dip, like, to point this thing out, skips it on purpose, and then he comes out swinging. Look at verse 39. It says, so then the Lord said to him, <clears throat> Now you Pharisees, you cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness, You fools, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give alms of those things that are within, and behold, everything else will be clean for you as well. The dinner party just got really awkward, right? They haven't even served the food yet, and it's already, like, super awkward. Like, Jesus is, like, (laughs) said, you are full of greed and wickedness and calls them fools. Like, this is not going well. This is not like one of those fun dinners. The first point that Jesus is making is this. Legalism only cares about outward change. Jesus cares about inward change. The first point that he's making, he's like, you guys, you and your legalism, you're only concerned with the outward change. I'm concerned with what's going on on the inside as well. I imagine him like picking up a cup and holding it and looking at it and looking around at it. And he's like, you know, you guys, you guys really do a good job of cleaning the outside of stuff. And he peeks in and he's like, but the inside... Hmm. Has ever happened to you? Like maybe your dishwasher's terrible like mine is, and so you go to like pick up a dish out of the, like a cup or something out of the, the, uh, the cabinet. It looks good on the outside, but you flip that thing over, and it's got like some old like crusty, like I don't know what that was, but it's something different now. You know, chemical change has taken place inside the cabinet, and now like darkness itself has been manifested inside of that bowl, you know? that ever happened to you? No, just me? Great. But like, that's what he's talking about. That's what he's saying. It's like, this, this is, this, the outside looks, looks fine. Inside there's a darkness. He's saying, you guys care about the outward appearance a whole lot, but you really don't care about the condition of a soul. If Someone looks like they have it all together. If they got it all prettied up and you know, they got all the, the darkness hidden, right? If they look like, if they're behaving correctly, then you're fine with that. It's enough. It doesn't matter what's going on inside. So the goal for these Pharisees, the goal of legalism even now, is, is, is right behavior, regardless of the motivation. It doesn't matter what the heart is as long as you just did the right thing. Like, Jesus is saying, look, God made the inside and the out. They're both of, of, of importance. But the, what matters is like the, that those outward behaviors are coming from an inward motivation, an inward change that's taken place. Principally by drawing near to the Lord, and being saved. Like the God giving you a new heart, of giving you a, a right spirit within you. And because you've been changed by Jesus, outward behaviors should change. Yeah, they should change, but that's not the point. The point is that you've been changed, so the outward behaviors change. This is the moment, I know that none of you do this, especially in the South where people are real sweet. This is the moment when like, Uh, someone's outwardly being really super sweet and inside they're skewering you. None of you are guilty of that, are you? It's that bless your heart moment, right? Or you're sweet, you're serving. Hey, how are you? You doing good? I hate you, right? That, that's what Jesus is talking about. They say all the right things. Maybe even they're going to do that kill them with kindness stuff. But you still want to kill them, you know? To kill them with kindness, that's in, you want to kill them. That's the point. That's not, that's not what's happening. There's no, there's no forgiveness in that heart. There's no grace. There's no mercy. There's no love. But they acted right, held it together, real sweet. No. Jesus is saying, he's, he's not saying that your behavior is inconsequential. He's saying that the condition of your heart matters just as much or more. Now, without that salvation, without that new heart, that right spirit within you, it doesn't matter how much you decorate the outside, that inside's still dark. Legalism's only concerned with the outward change. Jesus is concerned with the inward change with an outward result. Jesus continues, he keeps going. He says, But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Says, yeah, you should do. You can do that stuff. That's fine, but you shouldn't be neglecting the others. the 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 justice and love of God. Second thing Jesus says is legalism measures against a rule, and Jesus, he's measuring the heart. As this past, like forty two, it talks about tithing. Right? That's a biblical word that means giving a percentage, usually ten percent, of what God's given you back to the Lord for the work of the kingdom. That's what that's what a tithe is, and it was a, it's a biblical principle, and it's, I think it's relevant for us today. My family and I have been tithing, and like that's what we do. We're giving at least ten percent back to the Lord for the work of His kingdom. I think that's something we're called to do. But these these Pharisees are taking it to a whole other level. They're they're tithing mint and rue and herb. Any of you ever grown some herbs? These little little plants you know sitting around. They're out here counting mint leaves. They're like one for God, nine for me. One for God, not like. That's how specific they're be. They're tithing their herbs and Jesus is just busting on them about it. Like it's, just, it's not, he's like, okay, that tithe your mint. If you want to, that's great. That's not the problem. The problem is, is that while they were so meticulously focusing on tithing one out of every 10 mint leaves back to the Lord, like I don't know what he's going to do with them. Right? Like they're, they're forgetting to like love people and love the Lord. They don't really love God. They don't really love people, but they got them, those leaves counted out perfect. And to them, that was kind of enough. I, I counted the leaves out. I'm tithing the stuff. Man, I'm giving the 10%. I'm hitting the numbers. I got this. I don't really care about the Lord that much. I just, I just want to be right. Jesus is not saying they shouldn't tithe. He's saying they should be doing all three. Tithing's biblical. There's a, there's, a, there's a joy in that when it comes from this overflow of our heart where God's blessed us immensely and we're trusting him with our resources. That's, that's a good and beautiful thing. But giving 10% of your income to the work of the kingdom does not make up for you not loving people and not loving the Lord. That's not how this works. There's probably people who, who think that. Like, you know, I'm not really like following Jesus at all. I really don't care that much anymore. I'm kind of just oblivious to it. I, I mean, people, whatever. But I'm... I'm, I'm, I'm Paying the bill here. I'm doing the 10% thing and that's gotta be enough, right? Surely God's happy with me. That, that rule is hit, the balance tips. And I get to go be with God because at least I was doing that. That counts a lot. I said, no, that's not, that's not it. Jesus is not minimizing the importance of tithing. He's minimizing the importance of things they thought made them right before God. Behaviors. It could easily just as be the opposite for you, right? Maybe you're here and like, you like that, 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 that behavior like tithing is not your thing that you trust in. Maybe yours is serving. And you're like, you know, I really am not really drawn near the Lord. I'm not really trying to like live a life of worship towards him. I'm not really concerned about trying to live my life sacrificially for other people. I'm not tithing, but at least I serve a lot and that makes up for it. I'm real nice to folks. He's like, look, your, your service, like your actions, your behavior does not make up for a lack of a heart sensitive to the Lord. It's not, that isn't, count. I don't, so the behavior is not the point. So what is yours? What behavior do you find yourself trusting in to count for? That's probably enough. What is it that you think about? Maybe it's not giving for you. Maybe it's not serving for you. Maybe it's kindness. Like what are the behaviors that if you think, well, I messed all that up. I'm not really doing anything, but at least I'm doing this. I can, that's got to be enough. That's probably a point of legalism for you. You're trusting in a behavior. You're not trusting in the Lord. You're following a a set of rules. You're not following the Lord. Like, those are things we got to be careful about, and they'll sneak up on us, especially in points when spiritually we're not doing really well. We're pretty distant from the Lord. And instead of fixing that, we start trusting in a behavior. Whatever behavior it is that you trust in in that moment, that's a sneaky point of legalism. And I just, especially for the believers in the room, I just want you to be careful about that. I want you to identify what, the, what your one is, that you your go-to. Theirs was tithing. What's your go-to? Legalism measures against the rule. Jesus calls us instead to love him deeply. Jesus continues. All right, so next he makes a third point. He says this, says, Legalism breeds pride. Jesus offers rescue. Legalism breeds pride, and Jesus instead offers rescue. Verse 43 says, Woe to you, Pharisees for you love the best seat in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces their rule keeping had elevated them above other people they were the best very righteous crushing it like they they you know they're great and because of that they got elevated they got the best seats in the synagogue they got the people are greeting them you know they're important but in reality, this like legalism system, it was rotting their souls. He's pointing out that like their rule following was breeding sinful hearts. It was breeding arrogance, it was breeding pride, it was breeding elitism, none of which sounds like God. None of that sounds like him. But their rule keeping was breeding all of this sin in their hearts, like, and they, weren't, they were oblivious to it. They didn't realize how prideful and arrogant and awful they had become because they're out here tithing leaves before we start like, you know, saying the Pharisees are the worst or something, like we we start doing the same thing. Sometimes those of us who, you know, we've kind of gotten some of those big external behaviors maybe a little bit more under control than they used to be. We start looking around at other people around us who haven't got those figured out yet. And there's something in us that wells up and it says, man, I'm, I'm really proud of myself for, for doing that. And that changes. Like eventually, instead of like I'm thankful for what the Lord's done in my life, it changes to all of a sudden, like, I've got it right. And they don't. And if in the legalism system, it's about your valuation. So pretty soon your rule following makes you feel like you're more valuable. And the people who are still doing some stuff that you didn't that you used to do, but now you don't, they're now less valuable than you. They're worse than you. You're better than them. It breeds pride, it breeds. Arrogance. At any point, when you feel that, when I feel that around around somebody else, regardless of what that behavior is, like we've got to have a check in our spirit because I'm not I'm not <laughs> I'm not better because I'm a good rule follower. I'm better because like Jesus has changed me. I, I'm, he's done something in me, and yeah, it's impacted my behaviors. But it's not a source of pride in me. It's a source of glory in Him. When we get that wrong and we start like thinking that we're better, we've forgotten the gospel. The main thing, like we for, when we start thinking we're better than somebody else, we've forgotten the gospel. We're all those people. Listen to Romans chapter 3, beginning in verse 9. It says this. It says, what then? We Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we're already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are all under sin. As it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. That's not even you. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they've all become ooh, worthless. How that feel with your pride? No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive the venom of is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. and Their paths are ruin and misery. In the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. That's who we are. And it says this. It says, now that we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law. So every mouth may be stopped. The whole world will be held accountable to God. The law shows us that we don't measure up. Then it says in verse 20, it says, for by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. Since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But Then there's the good news. This is the part that we forget. When we get all proud of ourselves, we forget this. Forget that we're, we're those kind of people. But then we forget the gospel. We forget 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we're only justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. He is our only hope. None of us is righteous. No, not one. Maybe you've gotten a couple of behaviors handled. Congratulations, all right? Like, no one is righteous. No, not one. Like, our mouths are full of curses and bitterness. Our feet are swift to shed blood. Like, that's who we are. Then we came to verse 21 where righteousness of God was offered to us. Like, his righteousness was offered to us as a free gift through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And if we come to the point that we trust Jesus in, in faith, just accepting that gift, we're receiving his righteousness and like getting to wear that like a jacket as our own because we had nothing that comes from ourselves. Left to your own devices, you're sinful. I am sinful. I didn't need to be measured against a rule. I needed to be rescued. I needed his righteousness to be just given to me. Otherwise, I would have no hope. I have no righteousness of my own. You and I are not good enough. We're not even good. And the moment that we start thinking we are, and that pride wells up in us, all that is is just one more aspect of sin. Like it just doesn't work. Legalism breeds pride. Jesus offers rescue. I've talked to a lot of people wrestling with that. Like they say like, I, I, well, I, I'm doing a lot of good things. People are trying to draw near the Lord for the first time. They talk about, I'm, I'm trying to do a lot of good things. I gotta get some, some of these things handled. I feel really guilty about some stuff and yeah, okay. But like, it's, if, it's, if, it's a, if you're trying to get the behaviors right without the heart, it's of no consequence. All it's gonna do is breed pride. You don't need to strive to get your behaviors right before you've come to trust Jesus as your savior. And then allow him to change those behaviors. Allow him to change your heart, your desires, your motivations. It, it like works then. It's an, outward, it's an inward change with outward results. The last thing Jesus says is this. He says legalism uh, doesn't just impact you. It actually hides the gospel from the world. Legalism isn't just a you problem. I think sometimes we think it is. It's like, oh, okay, I've got to handle this with me. There's, there's something m- far more reaching than just you. When legalism creeps into us, when legalism creeps into the church, it actually hides the gospel from the world. Verse 44 says, woe to you for you are like unmarked graves and people walk over them without knowing it. It's another thing we don't get in our culture, okay? Like so back then like in Jewish law, contact with a dead body or a grave made you ceremonially unclean. Means you couldn't come into the temple, you couldn't worship, like you had to go do a whole cleansing thing before you could come back. So like. Walking over a grave, like if you touched a grave, touched that body, meant you had to separate from the Lord until you got yourself clean. But if you walk over an unmarked grave like a, without, without knowing that, unknowingly you would be unclean. Unknowingly you'd be separated from the Lord. You'd think everything was fine. You'd think you were just having a good day, doing you know, whatever. But like according to the law, you're actually separated from God. Jesus is saying that the legalism of these leaders was like a hidden grave where people were being separated from God because of this legalism, this like do better, be righteous. Like it it was separating people from God, but people thought they were drawing near to God. They thought they were getting closer to God by trying to do all the right things. These people told them to do change all these behaviors. If you'll just act right and look sweet, everything will be okay. They thought they were drawing near to God when in fact it was pushing them away from him. Their legalism was actually a detriment. The way they were trying to practice this thing was like it's a detriment to the people around them who were trying to find hope. He goes on to explain it more when a, law, a lawyer challenged him. This is just funny. One of the lawyers, he gets his feelings hurt, and he answers him. He's like, teacher, in saying things, you insult us also. And Jesus is like, yeah, I know. It's the whole point. Friend, like verse 46, he says, Leah, woe to you lawyers also. Just pile you guys in there. You load people with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. He's like, you're making it so hard on people to try to draw near to God, and you give them no ability to help. You're just like, just be better, be better, be better, be better, and you have no way of actually doing that. Their rules and literalism are like a burden heaped on people, but they were giving them no hope because it's devoid of the gospel, it's devoid of the Lord. They're crushing people. It goes on in verse 47. He said, Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets with whom your fathers killed. You're witnesses. Uh, so you are witnesses, and you consent to the deeds of your fathers, for they killed them, and you build their tombs. Therefore also the wisdom of God said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill and persecute. So the blood of all the prophets, shed from the foundation of the world, may be charged against this generation, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah who perished between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, it'll be required of this generation. That's a, there's a lot of Old Testament history going on in that. But basically what Jesus is saying is like you, these people, these lawyers, these Pharisees, they are not listening to the word of God and his prophets. Instead, they're, they're rejecting the word, they're rejecting his messengers, just like all these previous generations had done. They're rejecting everything that had come and just saying, no, instead, we're gonna, we're gonna be right, we're gonna be good. He's saying that they're going to be guilty of killing God's messengers, just like their forebears, And it's, it's not lost on Jesus that he's on his way to Jerusalem. This whole section of the book of Luke, Jesus is making his way toward Jerusalem. He's just driving at getting to Jerusalem, where just like we celebrated the last couple of weeks, where Jesus is going to be killed and then rise from the grave. He knows this generation is going to be the one that doesn't just murder a prophet, that murders the Son of God. It's like you're going to push away the word of God. You're going to suppress the truth. You're going to push it away so that you can look righteous in your own eyes. Meanwhile, you're going to be the one that's guilty of murdering the Son of God. He clarifies his point in 52, and he said, Woe to you, lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You didn't enter yourselves, and you hindered those who were entering. These, These legalistic leaders were opposing everything that they said they stood for. They were were hiding the key of knowledge of hope and truth and mercy and love of the Lord under this mountain of rule-keeping. And the end result was this group of people. like They were just presented with a false hope and a fake gospel that had no ability to lift their burdens. You can't be more harsh than that. It's one of the harshest things that Jesus says of of anybody in all, all the Gospels, and he's pretty hot a lot. He's saying you are not just distancing yourself from the Lord, you're distancing all these people that are watching the way you live your life. And before we get, again, before we start pointing a finger at them, we have to check ourselves. Because when the church replaces the true gospel of Jesus Christ with mere behavior modification, this exact same thing plays out. When we, if, we're, if, we're, if we're not careful to hold high the gospel of Jesus Christ and, and instead start telling people about, okay, well, you just, if you can get this bait, you shouldn't do that. You should do this, you, whatever. And we, we, we neglect the condition of their souls. All we're telling people to do is change their behavior. We're just telling them to clean up the outside of the cup with no, with no hope for what's going on inside. I grew up in some of that. I grew up in a lot of conversations, especially as a teenager where it's like, you know, this is all wrong, all these things are wrong and these things are good, you do that. And kind of only do that and don't do any of this and then you're gonna be okay. And the condition of my soul wasn't really addressed. It wasn't an inward change without a result, it was an outward change with no impact on my heart. That's not the gospel, that's behavior modification, that's legalism, that ends up separating you from the God and heaping up burdens on you that eventually you're gonna figure out you never can bear. As a church, we've got to be people who hold high the gospel and then show the ways that the gospel of Jesus Christ in, actually impacts our external behavior and changes the way we live our lives. But we're living our lives differently out of thankfulness for what Jesus did for me, not out of pride in my self-sufficiency. I hope you see the difference there. Because if, if, if we shift off of that, if you shift off that in the way that you're relating to your church, or your community, or your children... And you start trying to modify behavior with no change of heart in the gospel, there's a good chance people are going to be more hopeless than they were before. Folks, listen to me. Like you don't the goal of, of, of Christianity, the goal of the Word of God is not to get you to act better. That is not the goal. You need to be saved. You need to be rescued. You need to be remade. You need to have the like his righteousness given to you. Yours is not going to work. And if that hasn't clicked, maybe, like, I would pray that today would be the day that it would. That this is not about you acting better. This is, act, this is about you being saved and rescued from a thing you could never conquer on your own. Your sin. It's a hard change to make. I mean, we grow up and everything else in our lives just seems like if you do the right things and don't do the wrong things, you are good. And you come to Jesus and it's just not what he says. He says, in fact, you're just not good. So I came to rescue you, from you, to give you my righteousness. And if you'll just trust me in faith, I'll save you. So I'm gonna pay for this sin on the cross. I'm gonna beat death for you when I rise from the grave. I'm going to ascend and like be on high to intercede from you. Like I'm, going to, I'm, I'm going to send the Spirit to comfort and direct you. Like I'm going to give you everything that you need, you but I'm not going to force it on you. You have to say yes. It's a gift. It's a free gift that's been presented to you. Have you accepted the gift of salvation in Jesus Christ, or are you still trying to act better? I mean, a lot of people who grew up around the church, my, my uh, sinking fear is that they're really trying to act like what someone told them to act and they don't have a relationship with Jesus. I think some of you in this room probably have that sinking fear as well. And you need to talk with somebody about that. You need to be really honest with somebody about that and say, listen, I don't, I I wanna, can we have a conversation about whether I've actually trusted Jesus as my savior because I'm doing all the right things. Everything looks shiny, but inside, I don't really love the Lord and I don't really love his people. I'm just trying to be good. You need to go to the next steps when our band comes up and leads us in just a second and go have a conversation with somebody about that. I mean, deal with that before you leave. I want you to know that you know that you know that you've trusted Jesus as your Savior before you walk out these doors. Our band's going to come they're going to lead us in a time of response. And, and this is, those of us in the room who are Christians, this is where I want to leave you. Verse 53, it's, it's, it's rough because... Jesus makes this clear. And the leaders, the religious leaders, a lot of you in this room are trying to be leaders in our city, in our campus. The leaders could not do it. It says this, as he went away from there, the scribes and the Pharisees, they began to press him, provoke him to speak about many things, lying in wait for him to catch him in something he might say. The religious people, the ones that should have known this stuff, they couldn't bear it. They didn't turn to the Lord in faith. They propagated a system of legalism. If there's some legalism in you, if you're seeing some ways that it's kind of seeping in and sneaking into your heart and your mind, my prayer is you do the exact opposite of what these people did. I pray that you'd like see that, like see the problem here and then repent, do something about that. (coughs) Some of you may be in here and there's just some pride in you about how great that you've been doing. You're better than those people. Right there where you sit, I mean, I pray that you'd repent of that. That you repent of that like pride and arrogance and saying, I am better. My value is higher because of my behaviors are different. No, it's not. You're a sinner saved by grace. they are a sinner that may not be saved by grace. Same value. So if you're a Christian, some of that comparative, I'm better. Maybe it's not overt. Would you just take a moment right there in your heart and repent of that. Lay that down. Maybe there's some of you in here that's in the, that have been trying to push some other people around you to change behaviors without addressing the condition of their heart. Maybe you've got a roommate. Maybe you've got a child. But you've been saying, hey, we, we got to work on this behavior. We got to get you acting better. But you're not addressing the gospel issue of their souls. Would you repent of that? Putting put behavior over the gospel. Would you, would you pray about that right now? Would you repent of that? Where has legalism been pulling you away from the gospel? Take some time, pray and repent, lay those things down with the Lord, draw back to the goodness and grace of Jesus as our band leads us. I'm gonna pray for you. I wanna give you some, uh, you can pray, you can say seated as you pray, you can stand and pray. Next Steps team is back there for you. If you wanna have a conversation with somebody about have I really trusted Jesus or have I just been looking like it, they're gonna be there for you. When we come to the word, the only thing we cannot do is fail to respond. Don't fail to respond. The people that that heard this this day, they went away mad and just tried to figure out ways to catch Jesus. Repent. Draw near. Let me pray for you. Father, I know in my own life, uh, legalism has a way of sneaking up on me when I least expect it. In all kinds of different ways. So in this moment, I pray for myself and for the rest of us in here that are believers. I pray that you would help us to, to, to repent those points when legalism has slipped back in again. And God, I want to pray for my friends in the room who may have been trying to follow a system of rules to like earn favor with you. They have never really fallen back into your grace and your love. Never trusted you as savior. I pray this morning that they would do that. That they'd get over the fear of like what it would look like if somebody, you know, saw them talking to somebody about like, I pray that you'd, you'd just... By your spirit that you give them the boldness to go have a conversation right now about where they stand with you. God, collectively, all of us, my prayer is that we would draw near to you the heart of love and thankfulness for the gospel. Not a bunch of rules. Senior Sons, let me pray.